You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is game week, ladies and gentlemen, the final unofficial 40 pod before we see a Oklahoma football team under the direction of Brent Venables take the field. On Owen Field Saturday, so looking forward to it. We've had media. It is over for the week, uh, and we talked to players on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, before we get to that, though, uh, Eddie is still with us. He did not die last week uh, at practice. We we talked about it a little bit on Friday, right? At, during the uh, emergency, the emergency pod. I forgot we did an emergency pod Friday. Yeah, stronger, stronger than ever. I've. Actually, I'm going to the doctor today, so maybe I won't be <laughs> stronger than ever. But, but not, 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 it was previously scheduled. It's I've like... survived two media availabilities since then, so we're good. <laughs> oh, did you have a stroke there? Your speech is a little slurred. I think I no, that, actually bite it. Honestly, <laughs> that passes the test. That sounds Eddie. That yeah, sounds I'm back. Very Eddie, so I'm perfect. Back. Yeah, I'm back. Availability is a difficult word. Uh, so, yeah, Eddie, I mean, you, we were in a sweat lodge last night inside the indoor, and you survived that even. Yeah. I think part no, of the problem Monday night. Monday night. It was, it was sweatier remember. last night. Yes, it was. Last night was when we Very were like dripping wet. I, oh, dripping yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere yesterday. Tuesday. And it was like cloudy, kind of overcast. It wasn't too bad, but it was just humid yes. AF. Yeah, I was, it was I literally like water was coming down my back from my hair. I mean, it was just crazy. And these son of a bitch meteorologist, they told us 82, 85 last week. Yep. And then and it's they steadily gone us. up yes. each day. And then they even ended last night's uh, weather forecast with, and we might not be out of triple digits. I was told two Ooh, weeks ago. Told, I was told two weeks ago that triple digits were not going to happen in the state of Oklahoma anymore. But here we are entering the first week of uh, September, and it's going to be hot on Saturday. So just prepare accordingly. And our air conditioner is struggling in the studio. So it's definitely, I mean, it's like when it gets to 90-ish, I mean, it's just, it's shit. It's it's because no, it like when you're on a football field, you think like, oh, you're on grass. It doesn't get any. It doesn't it's get hotter. any cooler. Yeah, it's yeah. hotter, hotter to me. Yep. So uh, we did have a chance. We heard Brent Venables. Uh, God, it's Wednesday, right? Yes. Okay, so we heard him yesterday. Uh, the coordinators on Monday. We talked to. I I do kind of like how we've just been getting. Offense, defense, doesn't matter. Like, yeah, like a smorgasbord just, of people. I don't know how Bob, Bob's giving me a look like. Bob and I have both failed technology this week, or technology has failed us. Uh, although Bob had a good save because he had a backup. a hell of a save. Woo-hoo! It was a hell of a save. Saved all of his interviews from yesterday, so that was fantastic. And the audio was great. Wouldn't even, you won't even be able to tell if you're watching the videos at home. <laughs> the, yeah, the, an alternate <laughs> audio, alternate audio source. Used. It's yes. not in Spanish. It's in, it's in English. That'd so. be cool, though. Uh, but no, I, I mean, 
I don't know. We, I always like to throw it to Bob first uh, because he's writing all the stories. But uh, your standout after, you know, your number one storyline heading into Saturday. If it's not Brent Venables. Outside of the obvious. Right. Because like, like your sub, your sub. Brent Venables puppets. first game is head coach. Half, half the questions yesterday were focused on it, And I don't disagree with it. It's Jaden Davis being the starting quarterback. All of a sudden in his fourth year. It's coming together. I just dismissed it. You know, when people were saying it, I was like, okay, Jaden Davis won't be an afterthought, but that doesn't mean he's going to be any good or that he's going to be the starter. And it's clear that he's earned it. You heard it from Ted Roof and Brent Venables. Like, he's been consistent. They both use that word. And as much as I thought DJ Graham would be a lock, especially with his connection to Jay Valai from years and years and years, there's obviously something different about Jaden compared to who he was the last two seasons. It's kind of like one of those things. Like it's predicted outcomes, kind of like Jeff Levy was talking about. You know what you're going to get. They feel confident that they know what they're going to get with the 22 that they initially throw out there. And he was talking about predicted outcomes with Davis Bevel, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing, is it not? Well, here's the thing. And, and I'm, I know there's a, a certain segment of the fans that are like, ah, Brent, you're going to find out this guy's not any good. Like, correct. You know, it's <laughs> like, we've seen part. this. That's like, I know part. you think you know what you're doing, but you really don't know what you're in for. This guy's not any good. But You haven't watched him on ABC before. <laughs> but, I mean, this, is, this has been the bane of the existence of the OU defense is that go back to Jordan Thomas. It's like you have – uh, a cornerback that comes in, plays really well young, uh, loses some confidence, and just falls apart, and he's no good to anybody from that point forward. And we've seen that happen a time and yep. time again. I mean, uh, I think probably the one guy that escaped that, I mean, even, I'm just trying Motley to Motley is the only guy that Parnell Motley that. kind of escaped that, uh, but... Um, the t- why can't I think of the other Trey's name now? Not Norwood. Uh, Brown? Trey Brown, like... He kind of avoided that, but he also, the shine kind of came off of Trey Brown a little bit as his career went on. Nothing as bad as like Jordan Thomas and nothing as bad as like Julian Wilson. I was, I was talking to Eric Bailey and Garen about this yesterday. It's like everybody that we've quote unquote kind of shit on over the last couple of years in this defense, all of a sudden you look up and it's like Trey Brown was playing well for the Seahawks when he was mm-hmm. uh, healthy. Trey Norwood ends up finding a spot, and we didn't think he was even going to be really well. drafted. And then he ends up, you know, starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers at one point. It's like, I think almost in a way we're, in, and rightfully so because of the performances on the field, but it's almost kind of skewed because you look at the overall product as far as what they were when they were here. Is that is it wrong to say that? Like Eric Bailey's question yesterday, I thought it was a great question, and it made me kind of pause. You go. Who has been that guy over the last decade in the Oklahoma defense that you really expected to be a big player at the next level? There's, I mean, there's guys that Kenneth have kind Murray of made Murray is about the only one you well, could put. I mean, and that's who we were talking about. Yeah. We were talking about Kenneth and like how good he could end up being for the Chargers. But there's been nobody over the last couple of years that you just go, that guy is going to be a starter in the NFL. It, we were talking about Malcolm, Malcolm Rodriguez, and it led to Kenneth mm-hmm. Murray. Just as far as like guys that you feel confident could be next level players, and Carrie, you know, it kind of loosely to tie it back to this team. You tweeted it last night. It's like after talking to David Awegbu, uh, aka Justin Harrington, which we'll get into in a second, <laughs> or Danny Stutzman. Uh, oh yeah, leave me on the island. That's right. 
<laughs> don't want the text messages, all we, right? We've talked to both of those guys, and all of a sudden you go, man, there's just a sense of confidence right now within the defensive side of the football that you go, that just hasn't been there in a while. And maybe it's like a little bit of hope and a little bit of just sheer belief that they've been coached well you're going to go to good product on Saturday. And see, to me, it goes back, Josh, it goes back to when you took the trip out to see Danny Stutzman uh, and, you know, whether it was kind of the rankings discussion or where he fit in nationally. But, I mean, we you've been telling us forever that this guy is different. Like, this guy is the linebacker that's going to prove whether this staff, whatever staff was going to be, has, you know, has that development potential. Uh, and I think we still are asking that question, like, is Danny Stutzman a star? Like, we're going to find that out. Uh, David Aguebu, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Tons of potential. Uh, talking to him the other night, it was like, I kind of believe that he's a linebacker now. And, like, he gets it and he can actually... Like, if you're going to tell me that Deshaun White is moving, you know, being moved out by those two guys, I'm I'm all ears. Like, there, let me see what it looks like. Has there been a guy that... And, and this is a question for all three of you guys. Just as far as somebody that has elevated his stock as a football player without actually, without us actually seeing something more than a David Awegbu. It seems like no. this guy he, is like he a lost the way. Different. He got the captaincy for this week. Yes, He's being confused for defensive backs. <laughs> see, see, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> you're going to do it. I. It's it's just almost like this is almost like a like a completely new player to the program almost in a way that he's so invested very so much, invested. very much so and just the way that he talked last night you know with us carrie just as far as you know it was very much a come to jesus moment whenever brent venables came in and into the spring and he's talked about it looking in the mirror and realizing that he kind of needed to wake up or he was going to end up and for a, you know a bad comparison maybe but like almost rj washington this thing and that it's like Shit, my time's running out on this thing. I have to start waking up. People are running to their computers. Who is R.J. Washington? Fossil. You have to be like you have to be like in your thirties to know who R.J. Washington is. Exactly. Dating myself. You don't want to fall in. You don't want to fall into that path. It it does feel like though that this thing is completely new. Who knows? We're we're at the point. I was telling Bob this morning. It's like we're at the point now where you know you go to post practice on Monday and Tuesday this week, and it's like. You just kind of look at the players and it's like, what can we ask you that we haven't really necessarily talked about that can't be not proven on Saturday? You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it's basically asking. It's, it's, it's basically a, a moment of, hey, we we know that you guys expect to be pretty good, but I kind of want to see it. Yeah, majority of the questions this week, just asking older guys about the younger guys. Yeah. That's where we've reached. Yeah, and like I, I think that it, you know, R. Mason Thomas is certainly somebody that has impressed himself upon guys that have been around the program for a while, whether you talk to an Anton Harrison or you talk to a Reggie Grimes. Like, just the conversation that we had with Reggie Grimes on Monday night, it's like, oh man, what a This guy dude. is awesome. He is totally awesome. Like, I say that about a bunch of those but guys. But Reggie though, Grimes, that have come in like, and you talk to him and it makes you think of like talking to like Reggie White. Like, like he just is so, he's such a, like, I don't know really Very how to explain philosophical? it. No, more like just just he's just a dude. Like yeah. like he he seems like he gets it and almost like he gets it more than a lot of people, are, you know, my like he's figured it out 
and he really like just him talking about Brent Venables and how he always wanted to play for yeah. him and you know knew what to expect and all these guys just seem so confident. Like that, and I don't know I if that's say. like yeah. that's the thing we're right. He said I've always been intelligent. I've well, I felt when I got here I was like the smartest de- uh, defensive lineman on campus. You know, the, but the, I needed the confidence to go yeah, with it. Yeah. Now I've got the it. The funny thing about after we talked to Reggie, it was like people, all the media members were going up to him. And it was a, this wasn't what was being said, but it was, thank you so much for yeah. talking to no, taking the time seriously. out to talk to us. Like, we really appreciate that it. Was like, awesome. We really enjoyed that. Like, that was kind of the feeling. It was it's, just, it was cool. It's like every one of these guys had like this toolbox that the other coaching staff just didn't have a key to open. Yeah. And somehow, some way, this new coaching staff, and, you know, again, they haven't played a single down. So who knows what this thing's going to look like. But you just get this sense, like, their confidence gives you confidence after talking to them. It's kind of like talking to Brent. It's like, I want to run through a brick wall right now. You know what it is? Like, if you drop someone on this planet for the first time and they had, like, all the knowledge to be a sports reporter... And they came into this camp, and they talked to the defensive players and the offensive players. They wouldn't come away saying, oh, I have real concerns about the offense. They, they'd come away saying, man, this defense must have been really good for a very long time. Like, because they act like a defense that is a traditional powerhouse. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. They, they when act we all like know the defense has been the biggest problem in this program for a decade. They act like a team that is returning a top five defense. Yeah. They carry themselves and that maybe, way. And maybe, you know, the simplicity of it might just be like the bottom line of that's a good thing that they believe that. How much of that is, how much of that is just the players being like, shit, we're actually being coached now. Like, yep. like we actually are, they're teaching us how to play defense for real. Like we've never been through this before. I mean, you're hearing it with Todd Bates all the time, hearing with Jay Valai constantly. It is. It just feels like a different brand of, coaching that's really shining through and then it's kind of interesting on like the flip side of that you have an offense that and i thought Marvin mems like it's one of those things like am i just trying to read into too much of what he said last night but i do get a sense that like he dropped the the line about jeff levy being he wanted to say the best offense coordinator in the right, country and yeah. then he goes arguably the best like he caught yeah. himself mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing that everybody was going to run with it but I, I think the transition of power between Lincoln Riley to Jeff Levy, just from an offensive calling standpoint that we talked about last week, uh, is kind of exciting. And then you look at like the depth chart that's thrown out there. There are so many wide receivers, like nine or 10 guys that you go, I could make it like how many of those guys are actually going to be guys when you get into, you know, I'll even give them to October, middle of October. How many of those wide receivers are actually going to be the guys that you expect on a third and nine, can go get a football. Well, and, and I, I was kind of probing with Marvin last night on some of that stuff, just about like the deep ball and stuff like that. But like, look, the the offensive guys that are here for the most part, like, well, that thought about Lee, like Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims. Like, we all know Marvin Mims was frustrated. You know, his dad was frustrated. His trainer was frustrated. Like, everyone around him was frustrated. So you knew that they had to be speaking for him a little bit, but. Like I just think Marvin Mims was kind of fed up with Lincoln Riley's offense and, and how he was used in it, and he's happy to see. And no one actually will say it, but I think even those receivers like, yeah, we kind of have a running game now that we're committed to, so we're going to be able to get behind defenses now. Yeah, and if they 
play to 89 and 90 snaps are going to get 20, 30 more plays now with a lot, lot more chances. That's what I was going to say earlier when, when Marvin caught himself. I've got to think even Lincoln Riley could be like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, like for Marvin, like, yeah, you had every reason to be pissed and kind of hate me. Like, uh, and anybody that he might be like, well, that's unfair. Marvin, he's got to, like, even Lincoln and his, you know, whatever, his opinions of himself or how things went in Norman, like, he's got to realize Marvin Mims has a fair beef. And, you know, but, you know, I think part of that beef, and I don't want to get. We always get That's into this. That's not fair. I yeah, to. I mean, he, he has just, reason to have one. Well, there what I'm go. saying is, like, it it wasn't just Lincoln. I think it was Lincoln and Dennis Simmons because they were like a, a a power duo. Like, in for like his trainer to come out and say things, uh, it's the all that stuff seemed to be a direct shot at Dennis Simmons. So I, I think, think that's fair. the frustration was as much with both of them as it was just with Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the the point is, like, offensively. They say all the right things, but we all think that we all know that Jeff Levy is a very good coordinator. Uh, at the same time, everyone wants to see it. Like they want to yeah. see what the offense looks like. They want to see like if Dylan Gabriel goes out there and starts throwing you know sixty yard bombs uh, and has you know some ex- you see a bunch of explosive plays. Everybody's gonna be like, oh okay, we're used to this. This is this is an OU offense. You know what is gonna be sign 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 me off. You know what is gonna be different that somebody was talking about after the press conference yesterday that I really hadn't even thought about was, uh, oh, you have an offense coordinator back up in the box. They're going to be using the telephones on the uh, sidelines again. But at the same time, I think that just having, and, and Marvin talked about this a little bit, it was at the very end of his interview session, just as far as having Dylan Gabriel down on the sidelines with him, he's kind of like the player coach, like because him and Jeff Levy understand each other because they understand the offense so well. That's another one of those, like, you, if you're a, a praying person, pray for the health and safety of Dylan Gabriel even more so just because he's down there and he's able to communicate what Jeff Lebby's going to be telling him from up in the box. Well, and that's what I've wondered. Like, who's going to be the coach who on the sideline is relaying and, you know, presenting the message of whatever Jeff Lebby, you know, obviously he's talking to Dylan Gabriel too, so I get that, but like, you know, hey, I, I'm seeing this from up here. This is what is it? Bill Beanbow? Is it Joe John Finley? I think. Like, I, I wonder how that gets transmitted. I think the two guys that are going to be like the quote unquote signal callers on the sidelines will be Joe John and Tanner Schaefer. Yeah, okay. yeah, because Joe John is really Jeff's right hand man. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, people have asked like, who you know, if Levy did great and you know suddenly got a job, like I think he would be much more in contention than people realize. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I to be uh, the we next OC. talked about it on the pod this past year that didn't mm-hmm. he interview for the tech offensive coordinator job, uh, Joe John? Yeah, I mean, I've always been told, look, Levy, if Levy leaves here, he's leaving to be a head coach. He'll take Joe John with him to be yeah. his offensive coordinator. Sure. Which I, you know, from everything you hear, I, I wouldn't put it past like Brent to make DeMarco Murray his offensive coordinator. No, I, yeah. And DeMarco will be part of that mix as well. Yeah. I should have said him with Tanner and Joe John. Bill usually stands on like the opposite end of the, yes, he he's far the, away from he everything. watching the backside of the offensive <laughs> line. He, he's an O-line coach, man. That <laughs> trust me as the guy and Eddie, you know, this pain, like as you shoot high school games, yep. like, or yeah, for you, like you've got, all right, this is my O-line coach. I got to watch him. Cause he's going to move right into my shot any minute now. Yeah. So, uh, that that is a invariable reality, guys. One of the things I thought was really interesting that I don't know that many people have talked about on the depth chart, and it's true on both sides of the ball with two 
kind of interesting exceptions. There's no guys listed at multiple positions save for two. Um, on the offense, there's none. Like, no guard is listed at both guard sides, no tackle, no – I mean, there's no mention of that. Now, I think when – you know, we I, I talked about it in kind of some of the thoughts I put up on the depth chart. Like, I think when the rubber meets the road, it may look a little different than sure. that. But what we – that's kind of interesting because for years we're used to, you know, I, I don't know, Bray Walker was the backup at both right guard and left guard or whatever it may be. Um, the only two exceptions – are R. Mason Thomas and Grayson Halton. They're both listed at multiple positions. That's the only guys I see on the on the offense and defensive depth chart. And that's kind of wild to me. By the way, I think somebody just stopped. Somebody just came mm-hmm. in. You go. I'll get it. Oh, sorry. Uh, I tell you what, we got a, I think we got a package being delivered. Um, problem with there the pod. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I'll take a time out here. Josh, let me ask you a question. Um, mm-hmm. Has the lemon and cracked pepper shrimp experiment taken place with Tiffany? It it has not. But again, this is not lack of this is not a lack of enthusiasm. This is so we arrived a week ago tonight back from our anniversary trip. We have literally spent one night together in each other's presence since that night because I had three straight nights of football games. Then she immediately had a bunch of work meetings. It's been a little chaotic. I had three different appointments for my girls yesterday. Life has been uh, chaos as we head into August. And then, of course, the, um, you know, we, we, I don't know that we have to get into it because we did the emergency pod, but the Friday change of plans that I thought my work weekend was going to start on, you know, Sunday, but instead I pretty much worked through the weekend to go see Anthony Evans and uh, hung out in the Alamo Dome to do that interview. But yes. It will absolutely happen. I will relive it. I am looking forward to it. And buy all the Prime Shrimp, people. Buy all of it. PrimeShrimp.com. That's P-R-I-M-E Shrimp.com. <laughs> I just entered a spelling bee all of a sudden. Uh, get You can choose from all their different varieties. French Quarter, Alfredo, Garlic, or Butter. Uh, Louisiana Shrimp Boil. Their signature sauce. And now Lemon and Cracked Pepper. Uh, no mess, no fuss. When you do get around to... to I'm sure Josh, you will volunteer to make it because it's so easy. And plus, yes. that says you know you kind of get to give the wife a night off uh, mm-hmm. from being in the kitchen. Uh, boy, that doesn't sound weird, does it? Um, you can tell Bob does all the cooking. The way he's laughing, I'm, I'm, I'm I do a lot you. of cooking. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I do. A, I do a fair amount for my. I actually cooked two meals yesterday. So yeah, I, I, I'm with that. I, I'm you know I. Um, yeah. There we go. Uh, so, anyway. Unlike that response. Beautiful promo. Prime Shrimp is Prime, not Prime messy. Prime Shrimp's going to be super excited about this ad. <laughs> yes. Uh, go check them out, primeshrimp.com. Use that promo code SOONERSCOOP, and you'll get $20 off your first order. That's primeshrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E shrimp.com. Go check them out. Uh, so, one thing that we haven't, subject we haven't broached is suspensions. And uh, we did post on the board someone... Uh, which you know happens from time to time. Posted a, a OCSN docket uh, with a forcible um, removal, I guess you would say. Man, that I'd be so pissed. That sounds so much worse than it really is. Uh, forcible eviction, I guess. Eviction uh, here. for Wanye Morris. Uh, like he's from what we're told, he's not playing in the first game. Probably not going to play in the second game. Has nothing to do with that, though. I'm sure that doesn't make the coaches happy. I mean, you got to pay your rent, uh, and does that. I mean, all together, it makes it look like, okay, life is spiraling out of control for Wanye Morris. Uh, 
Is it? I don't know. But, I mean, guys obviously got to get his stuff together. Uh, but we were always kind of led to believe this is more of an academic situation, uh, the suspension part of it. So, um, you know, Eddie, I know you'd heard kind of the lineup changes. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I, around I, I think if that's going to happen and Wanye doesn't play, I would imagine that Anton Harrison flips over to left tackle and then you get Tyler Guyton, who's somebody that I— Or does Anton I, go right? Yeah, that's what Eddie meant. He, what did yeah, I say? Anton would go oh, from yeah, yeah, left yeah. to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Would play and, then, and then, yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, probably not the most comfortable situation. But but UTEP, Kent State, you can You can get it. through that. Yeah. And not only can you get through it, but I think that that's a situation that they've gone out of their way to talk about how good Tyler Guyton's been. And I don't, yeah. I feel like that's not a coincidence with them probably having known this was coming. Wanye going to Cortez Johnson himself here? I, that That's, uh, you read my mind, Bob. Like, Sorry. this may have been the worst thing you've ever done. Like, th- this is. Jalen Saunders around to take the fall? Because I uh, love the Zach Sanchez, and then he never gave it up. Right. The the buzz on Guyton is large. And he's a large man, so that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't, like, right you can't even try and make sense of how Dylan Gabriel throws over that offensive line. But it just works. I mean, we've seen Drew Brees. I mean, he's done it in the NFL. They just make it work. But Do no, you think like they're like excellent trigonometry or something? Like they're just good at like the angles. They understand like, okay, I've got to get this much lift. I mean, like you, when you watch Drew Brees, and it's got to be the same thing with Kyler Murray. It's like sure. they see windows that most people just don't aren't capable of seeing. Like they're, they're seeing. They've had to. Yeah, they've yeah. had. They've grown up. So it might be second nature to them and. Yeah, you know, we just haven't grown up doing that. Like, it's not a part of our thinking or thought processes. So, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Dylan Gabriel had six four guys at UCF. They had to throw over. Anyway, uh, but no, I mean, I I think one of the things that I think is going to be interesting about this weekend is I wouldn't even call it a makeshift shift offensive line, but uh, seeing Matower, seeing Murray, I mean. I'm looking to what see if bright, Murray cuts. What a, what a bright dude, McCade Matower is. See, I didn't get to. T- you guys talked to him. I didn't get to talk to him. Is awesome. He's he's going to be a great talker all year. Well, and if you went to Cal, you're probably pretty smart. Very very bright. Comes from like that football family too. He talked about his uncle playing for the Bears for eight or nine years. Dad played at A and M. His brother's obviously a really talented football player at the Woodlands right now. Uh, you know, I think it, it kind of went under the radar. I think he said that this will be his 29th consecutive start in D1 football. He started 28 at Mm -hmm. uh, Cal the last two years, 14 and 14, and then obviously coming up on Saturday. But, you know, like that entire offensive line is guys outside of maybe Guyton. If you were going to say Morris, those are all guys that have played a ton of football. They just haven't played together. But as Matower reminded me, it's like they've played with each other now yeah. for almost eight months. But, I mean, that trio, Matower, Andrew Rame, Chris Murray, first off, will Chris Murray get fewer penalties this year? Like, he's going to be more disciplined. But how do they do in the run game? Like, that is sure. one of the things I'll really be watching. Like, my binoculars will be focused on that center position uh, until I see that the, it's, the play is a pass. Like, I want to see how those guys open up holes. Because I'll say this, I watched that – North Texas UTEP game. You did. If there's a problem running the ball, it's going to be a problem for Oklahoma because UTEP could not stop the run against North Texas. So whoever it is, 
Which I yeah. thought was no, a little... Gonna, should have a banner day. Interesting that Levy kind of went away from the 1A, 1B with Gray and Major. Saying again, this is Eric, Eric Gray's room. It's interesting. Which is... It, 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 it's interesting to the point all we've heard over the last month has been what a great camp Marcus Major had. Yep. That's why sometimes I dismiss things like Jaden Davis. I'm like, oh, okay, he's just doing good for who he used to be. But what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? But at the same time, it's like these are new eyeballs. This is a new set of coaches. In a way, if they're saying that he's doing really well, he must be really, really excelling, you know, out on the practice field. And, you know, I I think that that's what makes Saturday so interesting, even though it's a, you know, he's favored by 31. It would be extremely disappointing if it's a game in the third quarter. But, you know, those first and second quarters, I think you're really going to get a good taste of what this thing could be. And can Eric Gray run between the tackles? Sure. I think yes. that's the other thing, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving the guy a free pass. I think everything was just so messed up last year as far as what he was being asked to do, the spots that they were putting him in. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, he let's wasn't face the it, guy that they got it. from Tennessee. Yeah, but let's face it. There was a big difference when Kennedy Brooks was in the game and Eric Gray was in the game. I mean, sure. like, I would I would be willing to say, okay, free pass, but Kennedy Brooks had a fantastic year last year when they would run the ball. Well, but you also have to acknowledge that Kennedy Brooks was a much better fit for what they were doing than Eric Gray was. Like, that long stretch, the counter, all that stuff. Like, Kennedy was born to do that. Like, that that was as good an offense for Kennedy Brooks' skill set as you could find. Um did he make so a fifty-three? No, he did not. He got cut by the Eagles. Wow! Yesterday, and I, yesterday? but I never, okay. I never saw if the Eagles extended. I, I would think that he'd be like a practice squad guy, right? You'd think there's a chance at least. I never uh, saw anything though on that. How bad did that Lions quarterback get screwed? Man, I felt bad for him. I felt so good after Hard Knocks last night, and then I woke up. That was the first thing I saw was. Detroit Lions released David Blue, uh, blah, blue, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, hey, we don't have to worry about him anymore. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, they got, uh, well, they got, uh, Nate Sudfield. They got, wouldn't he, but was he at Cleveland when Baker was there? Sudfield? Yeah. I don't know. He was coming from over from uh, San Francisco, I think. Okay. He's yeah. the odd man out after they re signed Jimmy G. Well, hey, Brock Purdy making their 53. Did he really? Yeah. Yes. He's, wow. he's their third QB. third. Who? San Niners. Francisco. Niners. Oh, okay. I was thinking Browns for some reason because I saw they just signed uh, Kellen Mond Kellen this Mond. morning. Yep. Oh God, he's so terrible. I mean, I think that experiment was more than fitting up in Minnesota. I mean, you could see that Kellen Mond wasn't a good quarterback at A and M. No. Like, what are you doing, NFL? Like, like there, the, Kellen Mond is the exact player that I'm just like. There are people evaluating talent in the NFL that have no business evaluating talent in the NFL. They and like I, his tools. They think they can fix They can fix it. Everybody thinks that they can fix it. Everybody yep. thinks they, they can be the guy or the I, I, team or the school. Or the this franchise. is like the people, when I talk to people, and they're like, he's a freshman, man. He's six foot, but he's an offensive lineman. He's going to be really good. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, he ain't growing six inches. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's never going to be a power five guy if he's six foot as a freshman. Like, there's these unrealistic ideas. By the time you're in the NFL, sure, there are things you can adapt. You can get better. You're not going to be a different player. You are who, like, literally Josh, years of I tape been, say you are. I would have been a... <laughs> outstanding nose tackle if I wasn't just 5'9". I mean... It, it, 
Exactly. Like I hear that crap I'm all not, the I'm time. Not, that's not crap. That's the truth. <laughs> oh, I hear. Okay, I see what you. And you can be. You can be a really good high school player, but not have realistic Division One football hopes because you have <laughs> physical limitations. Like no, that's I knew, okay. I knew I needed to switch to baseball. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, that there, there's always something like that, and it just. And but I'm again, talking I mean, like, with Kellen Mond, like you could see, he cannot throw the ball yes. at the level of an NFL quarterback. Like he just, yes. he was never going to be that guy. I don't care his intangibles or the other stuff that goes along with it. He's just not good enough. Now I, I will say, in his defense, if you get to a third string quarterback, you're running pretty bare bones offense to begin with. So having a guy that can scramble and move around yeah. because, like, I mean, likely is not. Your first two didn't, you know, trip over a turf monster to get hurt. Somebody killed them because your line can't block. So should we turn, maybe that like, makes some sense. Should we turn the announcement of the 53-man roster into, like, Bobby Bonilla Day every time Chase Daniel makes a 53-man roster? Really He's the king. He's the king. God. He's my hero. He's my inspiration in life. <laughs> Just collecting I, checks, baby. The I funny mean, thing is... Him and Colt. The funny th- Yeah, Colt, too. The funny thing yeah. is... I still don't think he's made as much money in his NFL career as Sam made in his first contract. It's starting to get close. Close, yeah. <laughs> but he was like but, at forty six million. Sam's been collecting interest for years, so there's, Sam there's, made a hundred uh, million as uh-huh, an NFL that's player. That's what I'm so. saying. Yeah, yeah. He, that's, Chase uh, Daniels made half of that with half the talent. <sighs> trying to see it there, his career earnings. It was forty six going into this year. Oh, you! It was forty six. I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So whatever he's making now. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, and it, Sam's it, first contract was for there. fifty million, right? For yeah, three something years. like that. Like I mean, it might have been seventy with fifty guaranteed. This says through twenty twenty two. He's at forty forty two. Okay. Hey, I'd take it. Y'all, I take the four or the two. I'm not picky. Yeah, either or. Uh, just real quick, as far as like the depth chart stuff, I was a little surprised, and it's kind of been something that I've been surprised at throughout the entirety of camp. Was just, you know, you talked about all the transfer guys, and rightfully so. You know, McCade's going to be in the starting lineup. Jeffrey Johnson's going to be in the starting lineup. Unfortunately, TD Roof isn't going to have the effect that I think a lot of people thought he was because of injury. By the way, uh, it is interesting. Like a guy that's barely been here, like how much it seems like that's affected the other players that he got hurt. Yeah. Like, just from a personal, not from a, you know, making us better, but just, like, you can tell, like, I mean, that guy's been in a lot of colleges, but he's made an impression on his teammates really I think he's just one of those guys that is, like, you just want a part of the program. You want around everybody. And even though he's going to be hurting out all year, you know, we saw him the day, you know, I think it was that Monday, he got hurt on Saturday, and he's out there in a sling helping coach the linebackers. And this is like two, three weeks ago uh, at the beginning of camp. So I'm, I'm just surprised that like Trey Morris and CJ Colden, Amani Walker to a certain extent, even though he's been nicked up, like I'm surprised that those guys haven't been bigger or given or earned, I guess I should say, bigger roles in the depth chart. And we'll see. I mean, you know, somebody like a Trey Morrison, even Brent said yesterday, he started 44 games at North Carolina. You would think that he could step in mm-hmm. and be able to contribute early. But I would think if Billy Bowman reaches his potential, Bowman greater than Morrison. Yeah. No, and I, I think that there's probably a little bit of that as well. Like he's just, maybe Billy Bowman's been 
that good. It was interesting I mean, that I Venables. So. That's the way I read that. It was yeah. interesting that Venables pointed out, like, basically the 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 only time I've heard him really say anything about the previous staff was that basically saying that they they screwed him up by trying to make him play a bunch of positions when he was a freshman. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. There, so there was amazing. Some, he didn't get ruined. There was some malpractice that I think uh, Venables and staff have kind of insinuated as far as what the previous staff was doing. I mean, just him talking about. Justin Harrington Justin yesterday Harrington. is exactly. like, yeah. I think he said something about he hasn't missed a meal. It's like, okay. That guy's I, not a kinda, corner. Right. I, I get what you're saying. You don't have to say it. I think we get it. Well, and, and people, and I, like we've talked about this in the pod before, and people will be like, well, he asked to make that move. Cool. That doesn't mean, like, that, that, that doesn't change it. I, there are guys, there are D linemen that tell me all the time, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to talk to coach about playing some quarterback. No, you're not. That's never going to happen. Like, you you have to be able to be like, that's cool, Justin. We understand that, you know, but if you want to play, this is where you belong. Like you can go to corner and waste away if that's what you want to do, but where we where you can help this team and you can get on the field is XYZ. Like I I don't get that. Guys, uh, I mean and you talk we talked about Stutzman earlier. Stutzman at will. Like, I mean, I from everything I've gathered, like just learn will. Play will. Like that's what we want you doing. Like and he might slide over because, you know, Brent's always talked about going back to his first tenure that those positions are fairly similar. They're, they're fairly interchangeable in a lot of things they do. But still, like, we want you here. We want you understanding him and David working together, having some understanding. Um, I, that, that stuff matters, especially in year one when you're just learning everything. It's, it's all new. You guys, um, I don't know, surprised at all. We got a lot of talk about R. Mason Thomas. I haven't heard a lot of people bring up Marcus Stripling here headed towards game number one. A little surprising he wasn't the starter, and then we'll see how he reacts to that. I think it's an interesting thing with Reggie and Ethan being the younger guys supplanting Stripling and Jonah as the older guys. And if there's any friction, you wouldn't think, but maybe that's part of it. I also thought it was interesting that R. Mason Thomas at both positions is ahead of Clayton Smith. Yep. Yeah. That was. I, but that, that becomes be now so good, and it just is like, come on. That becomes now a thing where you have two staffs, and he hasn't made a jump. Like, mm-hmm. I got to think it's on him. It's not like a reaching the kid or you know yeah. not being motivated. Like something about the kid just isn't good enough for two coaching staffs now to look at him and say he should be getting more reps. Yeah. Well, but again, at the same time, he's changing positions. He's changing positions. Sure. And I think that like, I, I get wrapped up in this idea a lot too. It's like, you see this first depth chart and I don't know, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that there's a lot that can change over the next oh, yeah. three months. You can play yourself into that starting lineup very easily. And the, so much of it's messaging. Does anybody actually believe if Eric Gray and Marcus Major out, Tywee Walker's a starting running back in game two? No. I don't believe that for a second. I do think he's going to get some carries. That guy's uh, He might. Ball. No, no. Like that, like that's him. okay. I'm not saying he can't have a role. I know But I'm mean. saying he's not going to be your bell cow. There, I, I don't believe that. No, he could be a good goal line guy. I yeah, mean, 100%. 100%. It, will, that, it will be interesting dude, early like to see, like, and you asked about it yesterday, Bob, just as far as like what guys are going to redshirt, how are they going to go about the four-game process. I would imagine over the first two games, you should see just about every You'd person hope so. that Man, it'd be bad has if you an did opportunity. 
there was one other thing about Brent thinking that it's it's co- totally I've lost it. I I I have found the uh, the the conversation is fun to have, but I do think it's been a little bit overblown as far as like Brent's demeanor on the sidelines. Like I don't think that he like there's this he idea that he's just going to be like running up it. and down the sidelines, losing his shit the entire game. And I, there will be instances of that. You're going to get a gif every once in a while of probably mm-hmm. him losing his mind on somebody or an official or whatever. But I don't know. I, I I think that there's like, he's taken on this like approach from being like the CEO or whatever. It seems like it's comfortable. I don't think it, I don't think it's going to be as hard for him to control himself on the sideline as it is. It seems like when he's talking about giving up his role as defensive coordinator, like he's not calling play, like, that's going to be that's the gonna be biggest rough. hard. It might be a little bit th- yes. the hardest thing for easier him. said than done type thing. Yeah, because he's it, it, you know he's been doing this for thirty years in a certain way and realizing that he's not the one that is calling in the signals, which Ted Roof will be doing. I think that that's kind of known. He's not going to be responsible for that kind of stuff. I remember my thought on his press conference. My favorite part of his press conference was basically Brett Venables like calling out everyone for asking cheetah questions nonstop. Yeah, he's like, all right, hey, anybody <laughs> for now or forever hold your peace type deal. And we do that. It's like, and it's annoying. I, I get it. Like, how many questions do we need to ask about the cheetah? The which annoying is part was we already simply asked about it last Thursday. And then there's people that show up Tuesday oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. didn't. They're like, asking okay. about it again. We already went through this. I mean, like you've heard of the Roy back, right? It's it's just a it's a different name for a Sam linebacker that's not a Sam linebacker. I mean, I couldn't love more that he said like he was like Nick Harris, and they were, you could like I I don't know. There was like this feeling like even me listening to him like people are gonna get this now. Like this is this is not new. Like this is something they've done forever. It, you guys are familiar with this. See, this, I mean, like, okay, so the, the... There aren't... There's not a specific height and weight that he's looking for. Right. It's a position that they just mm-hmm. want to be able to do a little they bit of They want to be versatile. I mean... Is that the best way to say it? Like, there's just not... Like, when when he talks about Nick Car, uh, Nick Harris and then he says Ryan Carter, the guy that was 5'7 and now on the staff as right. a graduate assistant, or 5'9, not 5'7, that'd be interesting. That'd be Buki level. But it, it just... They want somebody that can go be a football player. Well, look, like it's a it's, football it's, player position. It's easy to follow. Uh, go back to 2000. Go to the national championship. Uh, Roy Williams was the safety. And instead, Roger Steffen was the same linebacker that year. He was a walk-on. Uh, and what they found, when they started playing pass-heavy teams like Florida State, they took Roy Williams and put him in the same linebacker spot. So it essentially... it. Everyone knows it as a four-two-five now, but back then it was pretty much in two thousand. It was pretty revolutionary. Nobody was doing stuff like that. So the cheetah is just a four-two-five, and instead of a Sam linebacker, it's it you know it, it's not a safety or it's not just a linebacker. Uh, it is you know it it's not a corner. It's not a it's not a nickel. It's not a dime. I mean, it's a four-two-five, and a guy lines up like a, a Sam linebacker, but he plays against you know the pass a lot better or legitimately a hybrid game. yeah it's just a hybrid guy and they called it cheetah at 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 clemson it was roy back before when he left ou so you can't it's lincoln riley would be surprised to know this but you can't just take a player from another team and use that term when you go to a different team 
He wasn't going to be able to call it the Roy Williams position at Clemson. Nobody would understand that. <laughs> what the hell's a Roy back? Yeah, exactly. I think the part of confusion was just because we didn't hear about it in the spring. It was still being listed yeah. as nickel. They weren't it was like, did he have the personnel for the Cheetah in 2022, or was he going to have to wait till 2023? And he had to wait till he got to camp. It's like Deshaun and Justin fit what this what this position. And is. guess what? If this defense plays really well, all the aggregators are going to be doing all kind of clickbaity stories about. Ooh, what is the cheetah? Revolutionizing how did it, how did uh, college it come football? about to be? Yeah, it came from Oklahoma, you dickwad. And they named it something else, and now it's back. Why is somebody else getting those clicks, and we're not getting those clicks? That's that's upsetting <laughs> to me. Bob, get on that story. <laughs> we're not going to make Bob do the clickbaity stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to quit. I put my foot down. Yeah. That's uh, good. Good for you, Bob. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's no just that's about. one of the things that just drives me crazy. He's like cheetah, 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 cheetah. And well, and he mentioned Trey Morrison and Justin Broyles as two guys that could play that too. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, it's going to be fun. It's you know, it's UTEP. It, I think what OU is like a thirty-two point favorite now. Yeah. Um, last I checked, that, that was a couple days ago, um, but. And what I mean, as much as I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see offensively what they're going to be. What Don Gabriel? I think they're going to air it out a couple times. Like you're going to have a couple. You're not going to get the full tray of uh, food, but you're going to get an appetizer. You're going to get a good fill of of what this thing could be. Uh, but even maybe more so, I'm excited to see some of these guys that we've been hearing about that we legitimately haven't seen, whether it be a Davis Bevel or a General Booty. Uh, you know, who knows how many quarterbacks they try to run out there. Marcus Major, obviously. Uh, you know, Daniel Parker, I want to see him try to kill somebody on Saturday. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, Braden Willis. I mean, does he become a big part of this offense? Like, that's – I'd love to see Braden Willis come out of a game with, like, six catches. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say, like, over-under, if you were going to say on Saturday, over-under for catches for Braden Willis. Or maybe we'll just go targets. I'd say over four. Yeah. Just just as a guess. Well, it'd just be good to see Theo East out there again, too. Yeah, and that was somebody that Marvin Mims talked about yesterday, just as far as, like, I, I think that we kind of forget how well things had ended for him, especially in, like, that Cotton Bowl against Florida and the expectations that everybody had for Theo a year ago, and then a season truly never even got started because of the injury, you know, the first week of camp. I can't even you know, imagine what it's like to break both of your feet. You look back at it. Was Theo like the start of? We should have seen like this whole season is just cursed. Like this, this just sucks. Like that was the first thing they look back on. You're like, you just can see dominoes falling. Like just everything. And again, in a, and like Brent talked about in a season that OU went eleven and two, just how catastrophic it all was. Was that like post or pre robbery? Post. That's post. The robbery was yeah. So the you're right. The robbery was the you're right. But I thought everything was headed in the right direction. Well, there was a little Theo was already (laughs) out. Theo was out in the spring though. Was spring football that he was hurt? And then he got hurt again. Oh yeah, then he broke the other. I'm an idiot. I I got you. I'm an idiot. Yeah. No, I mean when he when he had the second injury, it was just like God. That that five star class is cursed. Yeah, he can't catch a break. Well, Jaden, it's up to you. And that never really came to fruition. Or to not know you. Wow, Josh is really sorry, Josh. You just banged around there. Wow, in another dimension. 
Yeah, you're definitely something's going on. Uh, he's coming back here in a minute. Um, are we are we at all worried or concerned about the Jalen Redmond situation? Is yes. that something that you yes. should automatically be concerned about? Just as far as like, what like concussion wise? I would say like something. all of the above, just healthy, yeah, just, just health something. in general. Yeah, I mean he's not been healthy. I mean he's had he's had the. And part of it was his own doing when he didn't work out, you know, during COVID on his own to do his rehab, uh, and that led to him taking the year off, basically. Uh, and Josh, I see that we have you back now. I'm sorry, you went through a little. Yes. No. No. I don't know what happened there. It was. <laughs> I think I was like, wait, I'm hearing something shaky, and then it just it went yellow on my screen. Like, yep, it's not connected. So don't don't have a good answer there. Okay. Uh, no, but we were talking about Jalen Redmond and kind of concern for you him. You worried? Mm-hmm. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Like something something feels wrong. Like that that it, and I had heard like I had heard he had a good summer. Like it, it wasn't a you know, they're they're struggling to get him going. It, like it felt like he was buying in and finally, you know, okay, this is my moment, this is my time. And it's hard to know if the or God, you know, there's so much subtext in a depth chart, you hate to get too into the weeds about it. But well, unless you're for him to be there, you just don't put one out. Yeah. I mean which Feels like your culture is really good if you don't want to put out a depth chart. Like you're afraid of pissing somebody off. Like that, you know that that was an interesting juxtaposition of our our culture is really good, but we're not going to put out a depth chart. No, okay, sure, that that sounds right. Um, but the with, with Jalen, you know, to be or and, and again, I if, oh somebody's always saying like, oh, you guys are you you're down on Jordan Kelly. It's not that. Like, I think we know who Jordan Kelly is. He's a good, solid football player who can help OU win games. I don't have any problem with that. But if they were going to have a guy who is an interior pass rusher that could make a difference, it's Jalen Redmond. Like, that's the guy that can do that for them. So for him to not just unanimously go out and take that job, that that feels like a concern to me. And maybe it's just a product of he just hasn't been out on the field enough to win that position exactly because if it's a uh which was something brent did say the depth chart is what you've earned to this point right sometimes i mean if you weren't out there you didn't earn the whole holding it up and talking about players earn their spot or yeah players earn their spot on this maybe just hasn't you know allotted himself that opportunity quite yet but i think if he's healthy and he's out there i mean he's going to be one of their bigger playmakers on the defensive line there's no question about that sure we and, kind of we and ca- that's fair but it, it, and again if it was a one off like he hadn't had lots of injury problems you'd be like okay you know he just he was a little dinged up through fall practice it feels like this is a pattern like there's always yeah. something holding him back and i'm not blaming jalen like i'm nope. just saying it feels like Rodney At Anderson, point, Caleb Kelly. Yeah, like, like, the body gives out. The body tells the, you. The minute you're about to take off, oh, you pulled up with a hamstring. Like, And again, I'm not blaming him. I, I want to be really clear about that. It's just, it feels like at some point, counting on him is a very risky proposition. I think there's three other guys on the defensive line that just are really intriguing going into this year. And they're three guys that have played a lot of football for OU already. And it's Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe. Joshua Ellison. What are those three guys going to be able to give you? And if it's constant, consistent contribution, I think everything's okay up there. But if you start you start looking around and you get you know two three games into this and it's not the production or not the contribution that you're wanting, 
that's when you start having to, I think, kind of worry about like where that pressure up in the middle is going to come from. Yeah. I think you know what you're getting from Jeffrey Johnson. I think you kind of sort of know what you're getting from Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs. I think the the one thing that we will see different in this defense than what we've been seeing in years is that you're going to see the linebackers very involved at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And yeah. to me, it seems like they just are outside of Brian Osamoa, who can we remember that's just really good at the point of attack? Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked to David Awegbu about that yesterday, just as far as like Brent is so just anal about the the smallest misstep or the smallest like false step. Yeah. Like being like the footwork and being in the right spot at the right time. It seems like almost the defensive guys too. They've talked about watching film more in the last couple weeks than I ever remember those mm-hmm. guys talking about last year. Yeah. And that's not like people asking them questions about it. It's them openly talking about, you know, we got to be in the film room. We got to be we got to be doing what we need to do to give ourselves the best opportunity to succeed once we get in between the lines. Uh, we got a lot of recruiting stuff to talk about. Josh has been oh, out on the road a lot. Uh, first off, wanted to uh, send a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Dead Soxy, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Uh, we are, we are, what do they call it? Um, what do they call the preachers? Um, evangelists for the no-show socks. Uh, I, I saw a tweet by somebody the other day it was just like, I, I can't believe I didn't have dead Soxy in my sock drawer until now. Like, it's just amazing. I mean, just super light. We talk about, you know, our T-shirts and stuff. Love the lighter fabric. The fabric on these is so light uh, and just so comfortable. Uh, you know, with the boardroom socks, uh, they, they got the patented silicone beads that keep them up so you don't have, uh, you know, sock monkeys around your ankles when you're walking around. Uh, and the no-shows are just lifesavers. I mean... Uh, it's so hot out. It's been so hot out. Just not having that extra piece of sock, having your ankles free. Actually, I, I think it kind of makes it cooler. Um, and just a great company. If you use that promo code uh, SCOOP, you can get 25% off your order. But they've got lots of great sales going on uh, as well with either the boardrooms or the no-show. And also uh, the, uh, the the team colorways. Go check that out. they got the Crimson Packs. Uh, but our good friends at Dead Soxy. Uh, always, uh, always being great uh, sponsors of the podcast, so we appreciate them. Go support them, deadsoxy.com, and as always, stay soxy. Okay, so Josh, you've uh, you've been a road monster lately. Uh, we we have started getting out the content. We had a little server snafu, uh, and uh, we've got a lot of your video that is up now. But uh, you saw some heavy hitters uh, over this last week. Yeah, uh, it was, you know, a uh, we got three games in, came into the week thinking it would be two. Um, started off uh, Thursday night going to see Caleb Hicks play against New Braunfels. Um, wasn't, didn't come out, didn't Ryan's way. Hicks had a nice night, though. He's solid. He's a good steady back. I, I said um, a few places, he kind of reminds me of a Trey Sermon. Great feet. I mean, just great, great feet. And um, – not a not a pure home run hitter, but I, I like the way he moves. He reads things well, and as soon as he sees something, he's going to get upfield. He's not he just doesn't have a lot of wasted motion. Um, so again, I, I it was my first chance to see him. I, I liked what I saw a lot. Um, I think he's a really nice compliment to Dalen Smothers. Uh, Smothers is a little more electrifying, a little more flashy, and Hicks is just you know kind of like we were talking about with Tywee Walker. 
you're going to have him inside the 10, and, man, he's not he's not going to lose you yardage. Like, you're going to go, he's going to get you two, he's going to get you three. He may pop for 15, but he's going to keep you moving forward and not put you in any bad spots. So, uh, again, like Hicks a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We could go game by game. If you guys got anything you want to ask, that's fine. Or we can, uh, I can take five minutes and go over everything I saw. I don't care Let's, how we do it. I Let's, want the an- the Anthony yeah, Evans Anthony, story. Let's start Anthony Evans because <laughs> that was obviously the biggest story. Us. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we'll <laughs> we'll fast forward to Saturday. So, Anthony Evans go to the game. Um, obviously, it wasn't my initial plan, and the whole thing I talked about it in the emergency pod kind of started out chaotic because. Friday, we started hearing, okay, Anthony Evans is going to be, um, you know, it's actually going to be Oklahoma, not Georgia. He talked about it. You know, for those who haven't seen it, we've got it up on the site. Um, he, he talked about coming into that day, and it was it was going to be Georgia, and essentially was calling Oklahoma to tell them that. And Jay Valai was just like, nah, like that that's not the right move for you. And he said he just kind of chuckled to himself and let Jay give his pitch, and then felt differently you know just ended up, ended up picking Oklahoma so I wasn't planning to go there as I'm headed to DJ Lagway stuff I'm making plans I'm talking to the Alamo Dome people so that I can get a credential uh they want to give credit they were awesome they they helped me it was really fast I didn't have to kind of wait until the last minute it was it all happened really quickly so I really appreciate them but so we get there game goes off for those that don't know it went to overtime it was this wild really long game to begin with um, because Judson got up big. Johnson has a 20-25 quarterback we will be talking about. That's a dude. Um, and then um, Judson ends up winning in overtime on a field goal. Johnson misses their kick. Judson hits theirs. They win. Well, it was part of a jamboree-type deal, so there were three games. And uh, as the Judson-Johnson game was ending, they were supposed to be starting the next game, which was Steele versus Brennan. So basically, there was no time to like do interviews on the field like I would normally do. Like they had to get out uh, off the field of the Alamo Dome. Okay, fine. So they give the fives to the fans, you know, in the front row, and they start running off the field. Well, I see Anthony, and he kind of sees me, and I'm thinking, oh, he's got to go to the locker room. I'll just get him after the locker room. Well, we walk, ha- excuse me, halfway around the Alamo Dome to get there. I could have done the interview while walking with him to the locker room, but I just thought I'll just wait. So it's a, it's a whole thing. I sit outside his locker room for probably 45 minutes waiting for him to come out because I keep thinking they're going to go to the buses. Well, eventually it, it's clear that Judson's going to hang out, watch the last game themselves, and then they'll get on their buses and go home after the whole thing's over. Okay, fine. So I see their head coach, a guy named uh, Coach Soto, really good guy. I'm like, hey, Coach, could you, could you get Anthony for me? He's just kind of hanging out in there. I don't know that he knows I'm here. Um, and I'd send him a couple messages like I, I – I thought he knew. So Soto goes in, comes back out like a minute later, and he's like, uh, I can't. He, he's done a bunch of interviews. He just doesn't want to do anymore. And Anthony and I had talked the night before about doing the interview. And so at this point, I'm pissed. There, there's just no other way to say it. I'm mad. You were mad. You were, you were, you thought I, I messaged you over. guys, and I'm like, son of a – and I'm walking out of the Alamo Dome. and I, I mean, you guys know me. I don't get mad about much, but I was nope. pissed. And so – I roll out and I'm in my truck and I'm literally like I'm I've started my truck I'm about to leave I'm in my you know like I, I'm headed home and all of a sudden my phone goes off and it's Anthony he's like hey man hit me up and he like he's like he, he thought I didn't have his number so he messages me his number and I'm like man 
And I finally messaged him back. Like, I, it takes me a minute. I'm like, I'm not going to yell at this high school kid. I'm going to be chill. So I'm like, hey, man, I, I, Coach Soto told me you didn't want to do the interview. That's fine if you don't want to do it. But I want to go home if that's the case. I don't want to sit here. And, he goes, no, no, man, you're my guy. Like, I'll meet you by the locker room, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of work out where we're going to go. So I proceed to then unpack all of the camera equipment I've put away, walk back into the Alamo Dome, and we do the interview right outside the locker room, right where I'd been standing. And we didn't end up doing the video because the lighting, I mean, it was like interior. It was just crap lighting. It would have been a bad deal. So didn't end up doing it. He does a nice job. I thought the interview, like Anthony didn't say a lot, but it was very telling what he did say. You know, like I said, when he talked about the Georgia situation and, you know, Jay Valai's role and Jeff Lebby and just kind of how that all played out. So... After it's over, he's like, okay, man, you know, I got to go meet my parents. Cool, man. You know, go on. Well, we, we walk out the same tunnel. And, you know, um, Bob, have you – I don't know if Bob's been there. I know Carrie and Eddie have. You walk out that south tunnel underneath the stadium, and it's where all the loading docks are and everything else. Yeah. And yeah, you're rolling out. They, oh, you played in the Alamo Bowl last yeah, year, Yeah, Bob yep. got okay, together Yeah, of that. course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I will yeah, say absolutely. this. It was Bob's first trip ever, and uh, he was amazed because the press box is just fantastic. Awesome. There. So low. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. amazing. It's awesome. He's still amazing. It wasn't even open. The, 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 the press box was having some sort of private event, so it wasn't even open to media. Like, I just stayed on the field the whole time. There, I, like, you couldn't even go to the press box if you wanted to. It was just closed off. So kind of an interesting deal. But the reason I was thinking that is because I only know it from the Army game. That's my only times in the Alamo Dome. But anyway, so we're walking at the same thing, and I thought he was meeting his parents at that gate. Like I thought they had a, had a pass to be in the same media lot I was in or something. And all of a sudden, I hear him talk to one of the attendants, and he's like, oh, i got to go to gate two. I didn't know exactly where gate two was, but I knew it wasn't anywhere near us. And I, and Anthony's like, he, he had told me during the interview, he'd kind of been fighting off like a, a hamstring and he cramped up during the game with his calf pretty bad. And he's kind of hobbling around. I'm like, dude, come, come get in, you know, like, let me give you a ride. I'll, I'll take you where you need to go. Come, come get in the car. Violation. Oh my God. I, I, well, I mean, luckily I don't give anything to you. So everybody out there, you're safe. So, um, but no, so I'm like, you know, come, come take a ride. And so we go around. And, I mean, we've got to go. This poor kid would have died. Like, it was a walk around. Like, it was almost to the exact opposite point of the of the stadium. But we get there, and there is a – it's a, it's $20 to park where they want to park, and I've got to get him past that to the gate. And I, I pull up, and I'm like, hey, man, I, I know everybody says this. I'm just dropping him off. Like, I'll be back in 10 seconds. Like, no big deal. And he's like, you'll have to drop him off here. And I'm like, you sh- are you kidding? Like, I look at him like, are you serious? This guy played in one of the games. Like, can we just drop him off at the game? He's like, you'll have to drop him off here. That's all he would say to me. I'm like, good God. Okay. So Anthony, to his credit, he's like, hey, man, it's cool. Like, and he just jumps out and walks off. And then I've got, like, and the guy's like, you can turn around right here. Like, like it was this huge ordeal. And I'm like, okay, man, I've got a media pass. I can go park in the other lot, but that's fine. And so, like, I whip around. Me, me and the parking lot attendant had a little bit of an issue there. We, we were getting a little steamy with each other. Um, and then, uh, well, that sounded weird. That, that, that's not what that meant. <laughs> um, but then I finally get on the road and um, leave San Antonio. And after that, it was pretty much smooth sailing. It, but it was I, – I, w- I should have left at, like, 6.30 if the game would have ended when it should have. I didn't leave San Antonio until almost 9 o'clock. Yeah, it was, it was really late when you were leaving. I felt bad. I was like, God, yeah, that, I, that sucks. It, but 
I guess it is good news for Oklahoma because as we talked about on the emergency pod, Josh, I mean, this is, we literally recorded the podcast Thursday afternoon, kind of wiped our hands clean of the situation, talking about going one on one on the weekend. Don't have to pay attention. <laughs> and I mean, up until truly 1.30, and he made his announcement at 4.15, up until 1.30, he was going to Georgia. I mean, he had he had told Nick Harris that he was going to Georgia. Articles were written about him going to Georgia. It it just it OU doesn't win these battles very often, if ever. I mean, you talked about this might be one of the bigger wins that Oklahoma's had in twenty years of doing this. Josh, is it funny to think that if he isn't respectful and makes that call, then this never happens? Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Like if that's, if he just like I don't want to like I just don't I, I want to avoid even talking yeah, to OU. Mm-mm. <laughs> Well, and I'll tell you, while I was sitting there pissed off, I remembered some conversations I've had with, like, anybody you talk to is like, he's a great kid. He, and, I mean, and to that point, I had the exact same review of Anthony Evans. Like, he is always, he, and that's why the whole thing, how it played out, I still don't fully understand. I, I'm, I'm just chalking it up to some poor communication. But everybody raves about him and and he is he's a military kid like he's moved around that's why he's in san antonio his family moved around a lot when he was young um so i I think there is a definite like ingrained level of respect for him like uh, you know especially in you know adults and people in positions of importance that kind of like he has that and so i think that's why he did make that call and not just oh they can find out with everybody else like a lot of kids do um but yeah that like I said, that, that I hadn't I hadn't come at it that way at all, Bob. But that's that's really interesting, and I think it's it's also really interesting that the call he made was to Jay Valai. Right. Like, I mean, that, that's you know, and he said it in the interview. That's my guy. I, I love that guy. And guys, we talked about it. And I, I've mentioned on the pod people at Texas and Alabama kind of acted like they weren't sure about him as a recruiter when he came in. Now there's a lot to do still. But he had a hand in Macari Vickers, and he sure is, I mean, was kind of the closer, if that's how you want to talk about it, for uh, Anthony Evans. So he had a heck of a weekend. Josh, let's backtrack and go, go to Friday. Mm-hmm. DJ Lagway, OU still in it for the 2024 quarterback? Yeah, and it's one of those times, again, he was another guy I couldn't really do video with because I was interviewing him outside his locker room, and it, he had – DJ. DJ, I've seen him twice. I've seen him in a practice. I've seen him in a game. We've done interviews after each time. He likes to clean up. Like, he wants to hit the locker room first, and then he'll talk to me. Like, he's fine with that. So I couldn't do, like, a midfield interview with him. Um, so, uh, you know, I just kind of sat there and waited for him, and, and his dad was super awesome and helpful, and, they, you know, we kind of connected. Um, to, to anyone going to a Willis game, his dad is also responsible for – a lot of the um, cooking and pregame food and oh, stuff really? for fans. Yeah, he's a guy to know. That That's a guy to befriend. So I will probably find a way to sneak to Willis again because he was like, man, you could eat. And I'm like, that that would have been a lot better than what I had. So because uh, it smelled. I mean, amazing. what are we talking? Are we talking burgers or are we talking like oh, barbecue? Burgers, bar- barbecue. Like that. it was, I mean, I'm talking a pretty big spread that I walked past. So um, I didn't know it was him. I didn't know it was his. He was making fun of me after the game for not stopping by. Um, but anyway, so, uh, and, and what I was going to say is I wish people could have seen in video his response as I asked the question where I was like, it kind of feels like you and OU have slipped apart a little bit. His face was very like, where does that come from? Like, I, I could see it on him immediately. 
that it was like, no, that's that's not the case. And then he was like, I talked to Coach Levy, you know, all the time. We still talk a lot, and um, I think he has hopes of getting up there. Although, you know, being the quarterback and being the leader of that program, he understands, you know, he's got to be there for everything. Uh, he's one of the, you know, one of the team captains. I think the only junior team captain, if I remember correctly. Um, so, he, and he he clearly takes that that seriously. So, I don't know how many places he's going to hit. But I don't get the impression at all that, that he feels like Oklahoma has moved in a different direction. I know there's a lot of talk with Michael Hawkins, and uh, you know we can get into some of the stuff I talked about in Woke on Hawkins today. But there is, um, th- there's no question for him that he still sees Oklahoma as a very viable option. It's, I mean, just just from the video that you shot, I mean, it's it's very obvious what a just physical talent. He is. I mean, he is a massive, massive human being. I mean, we saw him up close just when he came to uh, the OU camp. He was talking mm-hmm. to the coaches. I mean, Jeff Levy's a big dude, and he was basically, you know, almost standing eye to eye to him. Well, you never had DJ and Van Van Buren stand next to each other, mm-hmm. but that would have been like a Davis sure. Bevel, Dylan sure. Gabriel sure. type of sure. thing. Sure, hundred percent. And Hawkins is the same way. He, he's a he's a smaller guy too. Um, but yeah, it, it, he is. He is an enormous guy. Runs extremely well. He, I mean, and you know, he put on a heck of a performance. I think he was twenty-one for twenty-seven for like three hundred and forty yards. They pulled him mid third quarter, and I think he had seven touchdowns, one rushing, and six throwing. Uh, they they could have scored a hundred. I mean, they they were just all over Rudder. I think it was thirty-five-seven at the end of the first quarter. I mean, it, it was and Rudder is not a great program or team, but I mean, they went to playoffs last year. It's not just some you know, nothing awful. But this week we'll know a lot. They, they're they playing Temple, who is one of the best in Texas. It's one of those teams that nobody ever talks about how good they are, but they are always making deep playoff runs. Temple's a really good program. Um, the My biggest association with them was State Semis a few years ago when they knocked C.D. Lamb out. Uh, just a prodigious Richmond Foster offense, and Temple just shut them down. So yeah. it'll be real interesting to see what, what Lagway looks like against that group. That was a hell of a game. I remember you talking about how good that game was. When did CD had a really big game, didn't he, down there? He, 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 well, it's so relative. Like, compared to what I had seen CD right, do that right, year, no, right. it, was, it was nothing. But he had a couple of catches that were just like, I, he made I think a catch still in that use game. those gifts every once in yes. a while. He made a catch in that game that was just like the one he made on the sideline that was out of bounds. Yeah. But he made it in play on like a third and 17, and it kept the chains moving. Like yep. it was just – he just went up, pulled it down one-handed, and got tattooed for it and still kept the ball. And I, that was one of the moments where I was like, this guy's not just like a talented receiver. He's a football player. That That's a dude right there. And that was – I think it was not long after that game when I was like, we've got to move him as high as we can possibly move him because he is he is going to be an absolute star. Last but not least, uh, Thursday night you went and saw OU running back commit Caleb Hicks. Uh, obviously didn't turn out for Denton Ryan how they wanted, but I thought that you kind of walked away thinking that, I, I don't know, I, I don't I don't want to say what you thought before, but I, I kind of took it away that you are pretty impressed with Caleb Hicks. I, uh, you know, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I mean, like, there is, there's no question. I mean, he, he is an impressive guy, really, really well put together, big kind of lower body guy. You know, guys, we know how it is. There are, there's those running backs that kind of look like wide receivers. Um, and then there's running backs, you're like, that's a running back. That's what, I mean, like, he is 
big, powerfully built, one of those guys that's going to break the first tackle almost every time. Um, like I said, moves really well. Doesn't da- I mean, and people sometimes they hear great feet and they're like, oh, he dances a lot. No, I'm not saying that. He, he is perfectly fine getting north and south, but he can make you miss in space. Like he has that ability in his game. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see him as a receiver, which I think uh, anybody that read the under the hood I did about Jeff Levy, they're going to know that's a big part of this. I mean, the, the running backs are going to catch a lot of swing passes. Uh, they're going to, you know, just be asked to do those kind of things. Um, I think that's definitely something he'll handle fine. I've seen it on his tape. He didn't get a chance to show it. Uh, the quarterback <laughs> wasn't his greatest night. That's not a game the quarterback's ever going to look back on and think, I really want to show this to recruiters someday. Uh, it was just a tough night. Denton Ryan was out early. I think they kind of put it in through cruise control late in the third quarter, and it just came back to bite them. New Braunfels just played a heck of a game. I mean, they, they really did. But Ryan, turnovers, poor penalty. I mean, they had some terrible – they had a couple of touchdowns called back on penalties. They they just made a lot of mistakes. And they they get no rest. They're going to go to Shreveport this week and play Brian, Arkansas, and that jamboree at the uh, Independence Bowl. So um, I think – Thursday night, McAllister's there. Uh, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember which. Um, so, I mean, it's, it'd be a good weekend if you wanted to go see some OU commitments and you happen to leave in the tree, live in the Shreveport area. You could see a couple on uh, on Friday and Saturday with Eric McCarty and um, Caleb Hicks. Buddy Bonky Perkins might be doing radio call for that or something. Who knows? It, you know what? It, it is funny that you talk about like running backs coming out of the backfield and catching passes in Jeff Levy's offense. That's one thing that I think we've been able to – kind of portray just in the sights and sounds stuff. That is like one of the individual uh, drills that Oklahoma every day at practice, every day that we've been out there, quarterbacks throwing balls to running backs in the flats. And I'm sure that that happens every, everywhere, but you can tell that that is something that they really work on with timing and things like that. Oh, when you look at it, like I said, when I was watching on tape, what shocked me is how willing Lebby is to do that on like a third and seven. Yeah. Like he, they don't care. They'll flood you out, yep. and then they'll just dump it to the running back right behind them. Like they'll do it over and over, and they had a good success rate with it. So they did that the, uh, to Tennessee to death uh, yes, over in Knoxville yes. last year. That that was a huge one. Um, and you know, not to get too far. I mean, I don't know if we have any more recruiting stuff we want to talk about, but just that's the interesting thing for me is because such a huge part of the two games I saw Arkansas and Tennessee that I you know I obviously I saw more but the two I broke down for under the hood was just what that meant like how they're going to adapt the run game because Matt Corral was a huge part of the run game in those two games are they obviously Dylan Gabriel's not going to run like that how do they kind of find a way to make that you know how do they even those numbers because I would say in those two games Matt Corral might have combined for 30 carries. He had a lot of runs in those two games, and I'm not talking all of them were scrambles. I would say 70% were called run. Josh, I did want to hit on, you got two directions to go here. One, where where you're going this, this weekend. Then two, what the heck can we expect from visit weekends this season when you have 22 commits and you sort of know like when the four or five you really want to bring bring in? Is this just going to be a constant 2024, 2025 guys coming in. And, and that's really going to be the story of the of the fall when it comes to recruiting with uh, on, on-campus game weekends. I think that's a lot of what you're going to see. I mean, I think you've got 
Obviously, the big visit weekends of, you know, you're going to have Bedlam, Baylor. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to have your big ones. Those are going to be your moments. That That's when stuff's really going to happen. And, you know, I guess um, speaking of Bedlam, uh, Sam Spiegelman of On3 was reporting that David Hicks has set his official visit um, for Bedlam weekend at, at Oklahoma. So that feels particularly large. There's been talk of an Alabama official, which would mean Texas A&M would not get one. Now, people are going to read too much into that. He you know, he lives in Katy. He can get to College Station in an hour and hour and some change. Like it's no and Katy ISD has been very good to A&M through the years. So I he could go up there any weekend he wanted to and just hang out and basically do an official visit. He's just paying for his meals. So you you can make all that work. But I think it's really indicative and a good sign that Oklahoma's getting what it what figures to be his last official visit. I think that's a good sign that tells you a lot. Um, I remain, I, I I still feel very good about that situation. There's a long way to go. Much can change. But as things stand, I I would still bet on Oklahoma at the moment. Um, but yeah, to your question, Bob. Yeah, you're you're gonna have. Several several guys in for Baylor weekend. You're going to have several guys in for Oklahoma State. But other than that, it's just going to be a smattering of unofficial visits. Like I I, I don't think you're going to see even like 30, 30 man visit weekends. I don't because that's not Brent wants to focus to be football when it's football and recruiting when it's recruiting. That's not to say guys that aren't going to be recruiting or anything like that. But they don't want to have. Todd Bates trying to entertain 12 defensive linemen while he's trying to get ready for, you know, I don't know, Kansas State, whatever it may be. So I think they're going to balance that out pretty well. And and it's not to say that some guys can't come in every weekend. Like Ryan Grayson, I know he's coming in this weekend from Beggs. I'm willing to guess Ryan Grayson's going to be there for multiple weekends. Like that, That's probably going to happen. Uh, obviously, guys like Eric McCarty, the commitments, guys that can make the trip up, they'll be here plenty. But... I don't think you're going to see a lot of the big, splashy weekends, it's especially not in the senior class. You're, you're going to see some good 2024, some good 2025s, and that's going to make up the vast majority of all the unofficials that are coming in. It's pretty amazing when you go back to Brent's uh, first signing day press conference and all the panic that was out there about, you know, we're not going to offer kids uh, you know, before they – before we've seen him play, you know, at varsity level and stuff like that. And like, this just hasn't been an issue. Like, no. offering people, uh, you know, getting early commitments. Like, it will just, be telling can he get any 2024s during the, cur- the course of this year since that's what's like if they have a big spring day. I mean, I, I would imagine they'll stick with, you know, the spring game will be able to be bigger than uh, you, you'll have Kyler Murray coming back, you know, if he has a great season then you can make that a really big recruiting weekend. But I, I would imagine they'll kind of stick to the barbecue because that's worked out really well for them. That, that would be my guess. I, I, I don't – I mean, there'll be some variations on what they've done, but I think you're going to see it. And, this, and part of it is because it's not just something Brent created. This is what they did at Clemson where they had a big early summer kind of thing and then they had the end of the summer like the party at the Palace where we're seeing – you know, more and more good news keep rolling out of that with guys like Colton Vosick and um, now Jacoby Johnson. I mean, and some more that are quite possible to come. So there is, um, I, I think that's what you're going to see. I, I'll be interested to see in the spring game 
if they deviate a little bit. And some guys that maybe, okay, they're really ready to decide, okay, we'll bring in five or six officials for the spring game. I don't think it's ever going to be like what it was because that's not what they want. They don't want guys rushing to a decision in April and then having to kind of white-knuckle it all the way to December. Like they, They'd rather take your other visits, be sure, and then you know we're going to be here and be ready. And then where where are you going this weekend, Josh? Well, Bob, that is a very poignant question at the moment. I The initial plan was for me to go and see Caden Green this weekend. Caden Green is not playing a really funny coincidence. Caden Green is playing a team um, I have, strangely enough, seen before and don't remember them being all that quality. I'm like, I don't know that I want to pay the bill to fly up just for one game in the Kansas City area and – then fly back and see him play half a game. Like I, That's not really what I want to do. So I think I'm going to punt until a little later in the year, watch him in a different game. I'm looking at some like Marshall and Longview where I would see um, Taylor Tatum, the 2024 running back offer, Willie Nelson, the cornerback offer. Um, Marshall ha- has always got some guys. Obviously, Longview also has Jalen Hale. I can just go and you know be wowed by his unbelievable talent. That's kind of the one I'm looking at. South Oak Cliff and Lancaster is also a possibility. Um, I know some will ask about um, Geyer and Alito, and that's definitely a possibility. I just think there might be a few better options a little later in the year, and I know everybody's like, got to go see Jackson Arnold. I will. I will. The thing to remember is I'd really like to talk to Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen after the game, and I'd – I just have a policy. I don't do that if guys lose because it's never a good interview. Never is. Um, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to talk to me either. Like, I 100% get it. No problem. Alito, don't get me wrong, I would probably pick Geyer to win that game. But if I drive all the way up there and I can only talk to Devon Keys, who I'd love to talk to, but that's going to be a little bit disappointing. So I, I'm looking at – I also considered Samuel Omasigo, seeing him this weekend – I think he got a little dinged up in week one, so I'm probably going to wait a few a few weeks on him. The perfect one to see is Westlake at Judson, but I just freaking saw Judson, and so it's it's I don't know if that's going to be a very good use of my time. So we'll we'll see. I'm still playing all that a little bit by ear. I think there's a there's also an outside opportunity. I get down to Lancaster next week to see uh jackson got uh jackson arnold and guy mm-hmm. thursday night thursday night kind of works out perfectly for our schedule with kent state so might that think is, about we might be thinking about doing that next week i i love all that that's that works so um i'd say there's there's just like this weekend there's almost nothing on thursday night i the only game i have marked at all is a is heritage hall at millwood and i'm like i don't think i'm gonna drive all the way up there for heritage hall at millwood um and next week, there's like 12 great games all over the place on, on Thursday night. So it just kind of, it's the way it works out sometimes. But, you know, this week, like I said, going to catch a game Friday night. And then the next week is my trip up to the Pacific Northwest. Going to see Heath Zida and Josiah Wagner go head to head. And then that Friday night, going to get to live one of my real dreams, the 2023 class. Finally get to see PJ Atabare in person and he'll be going against uh Shindavian Bradley. So that will be a fun game, probably not so much for the quarterbacks, but very much for me as a guy that gets to watch him go to work. All Should right. be really good. Uh just mm-hmm. two like kind of outside the box things. Sure. Uh one, 
Any reaction to the news this morning that the Big 12 is going into negotiations early? Dennis Stodds reported that OU and Texas leaving early is obviously on the table because of that. I mean, I, I think that this is headed down in a direction where OU and Texas are going to be out before 2025. It's kind of interesting to see like, okay, so if you break, the, and this is something that we've talked about before, you break that contract or you get a new contract. What happens with the buyout and the 80 million that OU and Texas are due to the Big 12? That's kind of interesting to me, but I do think at the end of the day, it's we can kind of see the writing on the wall, can't we, as far as how this is headed or where this is headed in OU Texas be out before 2025? There's a couple of things um, here for me. One, what is Fox's interest in the Big 12 moving forward? Because sure. if it's all ESPN trying to fill that inventory they just lost with the Big 10, then it bodes well for OU and Texas getting out early. Because if ESPN's in total control of a Big 12 contract, they can kind of set the terms like, hey, we'll give you this deal if you let OU and Texas go right. into the SEC. And if not, we can only give you this deal. So, I, I mean, ESPN can broker the thing. Uh, the other thing to me is, just judging by the stuff that's going around uh, OU right now, uh, you know, we saw the tent city being built, the premium mm -hmm. tent city the other day. Uh, you know, OU seemingly... You know, the, the deal that they made with the one Oklahoma deal, um, you know, at least Learfield, uh, Sooner Sports Properties, it just seems to me like OU is kind of doing everything they can to build a war chest. Like, they're getting ready for a buyout. Like, suing Sooner Scoop, uh, all that kind of stuff. Like We're, uh, we're selling T-shirts so OU can pay this exit fee. Well, Buy we're, them. We're, yeah, Buy I mean... <laughs> If you just play nice, we might give you some money for the T-shirt. We might make some license stuff. Do your part, people. Like. people. Uh, no, but I mean, it just they're tightening their belts financially. Sure. It seems. I sure. mean, the ESPN like it's been these little things, little things like, oh, you not wanting to send out press conference video footage like to media outlets. Like it just seems like everything's getting tightened around the department right now. To me, that signals they're you know they're they're saving up for something, and I right. know. Uh, I saw Gabe Eichert's tweet earlier, and we talked about this. We talked about this on Friday. On Friday. But it, but we have a number on it yeah. now. Now, Gabe has put out there, he's advancing it, saying, uh, okay, where the bud has been torn down. That We'd been told Thad Turnipseed and Brent wanted to build some type of a, a football facility, uh, and we talked about possibly uh, uh, the track and track field relocation. being involved. Uh, but now Gabe has put a number to it, $175 million. Right. Imagine someone came to his family and said, "Hey, can we have 175, <laughs> 175 million laying around? You gonna open some yes. truck stops soon?" Uh, so yeah, he's put that number out there, and it is interesting. I don't understand the whole Bud Wilkinson or the old uh, Barry Switzer Center thing. Like how well, it becomes basically a mausoleum or something. Could, sort it, or could it end up being a situation that that space just isn't simply big enough for what that has in mind? Right. Yeah. I mean. To and have he, recovery. He talked to you about and, this stuff when you did your interview, didn't he? As far as like kind of the sites for the future. I know that didn't he have like some projections that he didn't want you to take pictures of and stuff? Yes. Well, yeah. He had all his plans. And right. You, you take pictures. of those. You can look, you. but do yeah. not take <laughs> yes. a picture. Yeah. It just seems like, I mean, this is this is very much a Thad Turnip. I don't want you to driven. be like Cynthia Froilein or whatever and, and, you know, get in trouble. But Who is that? The baker lady. 
that said that he said. Oh, that was so stupid, that whole entire thing. That he never said. I guess she said it, and then he was like, yeah, uh-huh. And she was like, Baker just said. I just can't imagine coming oh, from the school. Oh, is that really what happened? Yeah, yes. yeah I can't okay. imagine coming from the school of thought, though, that like you're like, oh, She Baker admitted said, that on what? a podcast, basically. She, re- she backtracked on, a pod- on the same podcast she said it on. She's like, well, Baker didn't really say it. I said it, and then he just agreed with me. Yeah. Weird. So stupid. At the end of the day, though, Oh, you wants to build a new football facility. Yeah, I mean, that turnip seed's gonna that, build a new. That, yeah, I mean, and that would months that looking would, what makes the most sense yeah. in terms of square footage. That would house like your that. locker room, your dining hall, everything, your your rehab, your recovery, like so all the they stuff. Would, so they would move the locker. The locker room would technically be across the street. I would think so. Interesting. I wonder what they would do with like all that. Would they just repurpose well, everything? Gabe was saying that it would be like a multi-purpose, uh, all athletic facility in this where the switzer center is now uh okay that's interesting i mean it makes sense i mean well if they've just years old or five if they i mean it's like man already feels old if they've just hired an art or they're looking to hire an architectural firm like that's going to be the thing to see the master plan when they release it to the donors and say hey this is what we're building this is what we need to raise sure I know that I, I've already seen the fans on Gabe's things. Like, what about the press box? Thad doesn't care about the press box. And I don't think Brent does either. Yeah. That the, doesn't help them be a better football the, team. I, I think the one thing, and, and everybody, everybody has said this since like those guys came in, it's there's a vision. They have a plan. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I guess in a way it's kind of cool to see that all come to fruition. They're moving in the right direction. Yeah. And it's like we said last week. It's like, in a, in a weird, kind of strange way, all the hard stuff that you think about when you're taking over a program and rebuilding or trying to build the foundation of what Brent Venables wants to uh, have at Oklahoma, all that's kind of in place. Like the easy part of what you hired him for and actually going to win football games and coaching, that's yet to come. Like the, the hard part of, of putting a foundation in place uh, you know, whether it be the soul program or, you know, the culture or whatever you want to talk about that they had to kind of overtake. It seems like that's been flawless. Like that part is is kind of the hard part that you don't know how players are going to react. Are they going to buy in? Now the the easy part is is actually doing what you hired them to do, and that's go win football games. Yeah, but the winning is not the easy part. That's the hard True. part. That's right, the hardest right. part. Yeah, that's that's like the, you can you can plan all this stuff all you want. You have three crappy seasons. You're yeah, not going to be around to move into sure, a new facility sure. or even break ground on one. One hundred percent. But I mean, you well, got a plan. And I remember I mean, the. Go ahead, Josh. The, the first recruit I talked to was Caden Helms, the, the first guy when Brent was going around and starting to try to solidify everything way back in December, and the. Like, I remember him telling me, he was like, yeah, they're going to bring in like a, uh, like these professional cooks and they've got this guy who's going to like change all the facilities and like rebuild. I didn't know who he was talking about then, but like you guys earlier talking about this has been their plan. This is all foreseen. Like, I mean, this was stuff Brent was telling recruits eight months ago. Like there is, I, I just, I'm continually impressed by the stuff that they were saying then to recruits, like I mean, to, I mean, they could have been general. They could have been very like, "Oh, it's all going to be great because of you know," and could have been a little more, I don't know, half-hearted in the way they presented it. But like they were saying things that like they were. He was talking about Thad Turnipsey. We didn't know it then, 
But I know it now, and he was talking about this guy's going to help us rebuild all our infrastructure, all the stuff. We're going to have state-of-the-art every, you know, and you saw the pods come in and all that stuff. I'm like, this is what he was talking about. Like, he, he foresaw all of this, you know, he'd been in Norman for 10 minutes, and he knew that this was what he was doing. So, again, like, there, it just, again, I, I mean, I guess I'm stating the obvious. It's just impressive to me how much this has all been in the works and how much they still know they're going to do going forward that we haven't even begun to see. And I think it also like it goes without mentioning that a lot of this stuff wouldn't be possible if I think that they, in a way, had already had they not already seen the commitment from the fan base and from the alumni financially over the last nine months. Maybe it's a little bit harder to present this stuff now without having won any football games, if that makes sense. I, I think that they like everybody kind of knows it's kind of been the thing that like. Anywhere I go now, it's like every person I run into is genuinely excited about everything that is involved with the football program right now from top to bottom, whether it be Brent, whether it be the players, the fans. I mean, I've talked to parents of players that have straight up said, like, this is the best thing that has ever happened to their son. They're in a better place now than they were nine months ago. And I think that that's telling considering they haven't played a game yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm still of that. I'm not trying to crap on anything, but I'm still of that mindset about, let's see what happens when things don't go well. 100%. Like, yep. Let's see. I mean, you when have a kid to look at it play, that way. 100%. You know, is he still as bought in as he was because he's not getting playing time? I mean, 100%. And you got to deal Doom with that. I mean, that's... Doom pod time. <laughs> no, but I, I think at the same time, though, it's like it, it's interesting to hear them talk about you know, Brent talk about a Justin Harrington's parents that have reached out to him every week since. And I know, Bob, you're going to be writing about this as far as like just thanking him to let their son back into the program, like somebody like a Justin Harrington. And you can watch the 11 minute interview that Bob got yesterday at practice like that. Is, I watched that interview and it almost makes me a little angry. It's like, I just don't understand. I need what somebody to explain year? to me what was going on with his situation a year ago and how you wouldn't want this kid just at the very minimum a part of your program. And for him to enter the transfer portal halfway through the year, it's like, what what truly was going on? Why why was it happening? And I, I, I don't know. It's just refreshing right now again. Check back in a couple months when I've said very bad things about they're people all fired. that are all very good yep. people. This might be the most just calm pod that you've ever done. I'm the, well, I mean, I haven't. I have no reason to be angry. I'm just happy to be alive. I hope I hope you get everything Survivor. worked out with the doctor. When I was today. on the uh, practice field and I got to the gates and they told me that my admit pearly gates, yeah, the pearly <laughs> gates. I was dying, and I saw the. Uh, I got to Peter, and I actually will not be admitted, and I had to go back and be a better person. It's because you were wearing a badge Eddie's literally that said the media, only person surprised. with your name on Medea. it. Medea. Medea almost funny. died that day. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to remind you guys, there will be the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast returns this year. So Eddie from and the I office. It's gonna be will fun be over back uh, at it from the office. If we can get over here on uh, game day, they'll allow us to be in our offices. Yeah. Uh, I'll pay for your parking if you have to pay 20 bucks to park. I don't know how that's going to work out. Saturday is going to be an interesting like uh, feel out day. Just all to the see, way like, around. Yeah, like what everything <laughs> Lots is. Lots of new things. Yeah, a lot of new things. 
So, uh, but Eddie and I will be back for the post game. Uh, Bob will be there with uh, all your coverage at Soonerscoop.com. Uh, so check that out. And uh, Josh will be uh, around uh, checking things out as well. We'll have to see if we end up flying him out. Josh and I did a lot of testing on the uh, YouTube stuff yesterday, so we're good to go. Um, very cool. And so soon we should start pumping out some recruiting content uh, with Josh on the uh, YouTube channel. So uh, stay tuned for that. Sights and sounds. I mean, can't wait to see that first one after the game. Uh, hopefully properly white balance, which I think uh, we've got that all taken care of now. So thank goodness. Uh, Bob, uh, I'm sure his technology will work. I can't promise you anything on mine. Uh, as we all know. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening. It's game week. The Brit Venables era begins. Everything else to follow. It's all new. We're really looking forward to it. Very excited. Hope you guys are as well. Uh, Soonerscoopstore.com. Uh, thank you to all those who have purchased. We should be restocked here uh, very soon on everything. And the flags and all that uh, will be up. I know people are asking. And I'm sorry. I just haven't. It's been a busy week. Haven't got around to it. But uh, it's it's in the other room, ready to be photographed. So, uh, SoonerScoopStore.com. We appreciate your support there. Can't wait to see some of those uh, Make Lindsay Street Great Again t-shirts on game day on Saturday. I know some people have, have told us they are definitely wearing them. So, looking forward to that. If I see you, I'm going to come and ask to take a picture with you. I'll, I'll tell you that as I'm headed to the stadium. So, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on SoonerScoop.com.